0: Well, hey, we've been in a series called Rerouting, uh, where we want to learn to live like Jesus in a world gone crazy. And what we're asking God is, what are the habits, what are the rhythms of our lives that, that we need to be aware of that we can ask God to reroute, to help us to become a, a deeper disciple, a, a Christ follower, one who lives, loves, and goes like Jesus in our lives. And so we've been asking that question. And today, one of the habits that we want to talk about in this series is Generosity and how that is rooted in our mindset and our perception of abundance. And so I want to take a moment as we start, just to back up a little bit, that we're, we're, we're going to look at scripture, we're going to look at generosity through the eyes of God, but let's take a moment and just look through our culture. I want to ask you the question, does our culture value generosity? Is generosity admired in our culture? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, right? It's something we celebrate. It's something we value. Um, It's something that's honored and respected. It's encouraged in our culture. Whether it's a national tragedy or a a social justice cause or anything like that, we see things on the news and social media, we see things all the time of not just individuals but even businesses and corporations getting into the act of generosity. We have things like Giving Tuesday. Uh, We even have new um, apps. If you're not aware of Venmo, you can even have an app that as you give and you give generosity, it even kind of gives a timeline and shares what you've been generous in. And so even in our culture today, in our world today, there's a mindset that generosity is not just about sharing our excess, that, you know, we've been given this much and I only need this much so I can, I can share this little bit here and I can be generous with that. Our culture even believes that it's not about sharing our excess. It's about bringing good and value to another person or another organization. And so through our generosity, we have this mindset in our culture that it's not just about what we give and we're just giving all the extra that we have, but we're actually building value and we're actually improving someone else's life. And it doesn't have to be money, right? We can be generous with our possessions. We can be generous with our time, our attention, our emotional energy. We can help others even if it's not in our skill set. Um, I know. Um, I think even New Hope, when Katrina, when Hurricane Katrina went through, we even sent people down to, uh, to the South, to New Orleans, to help with the cleanup and the rebuilding. And many of us that went were not necessarily home builders. It was not necessarily our skill set, but we were generous with our time, with all that we had. We gave and we gave to help others improve their lives. And so our culture encourages that. Our culture values it. And so if it improves the life of the receiver of generosity, what does our culture believe about the giver? Is, does generosity benefit the giver too? Absolutely. There are studies that have, that have shown a measurable benefit from generosity. That those who are generous experience greater satisfaction in life. Not just in life in general, but also in what they do have. Whether they have a little or a lot, they experience greater satisfaction in life. Um, people who are generous have deepening relationships. And when we share uh, what we have with those around us, whether it's family or friends or coworkers or classmates or neighbors, it opens the door to greater relationship building. Relationships grow faster and deeper through generosity. Generous people are, tend to be happier, they tend to have a positive outlook on life. More of the glass is half full. Generous people even find that they have greater physical and mental health. Imagine that. And we're actually going to see that in Scripture. Jesus even equates anxiety with our perspective of life in this way as well. And finally, it's been measured that generous people build self-esteem. You build confidence in who you are and the impact that you can have in the world around you and self-esteem is built. So if our culture values not just the act of generosity but we see the benefit of being generous to others, what about God's plan? Is greater generosity part of God's plan? And yes, absolutely it is. Psalm 112 verse nine uh, is talking about the righteous. It says that they share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever and they will have influence and honor. That generosity is honored and encouraged in scripture, even in the Old Testament. We move into the New Testament in Acts chapter two where the early church is beginning to form after Jesus's death, burial, resurrection and ascension. The new church is beginning to form, and they are celebrating generosity as well. Verses 44 through 47, it says that all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything that they had. They sold their property, their possessions, and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people and each day the lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved so not only are they sharing in generosity with with the with the early church with their community of faith but it becomes an open door for others to meet jesus that through generosity people are coming to know jesus in second corinthians paul writes this in chapter 9 verses 10 and 11 says that, for God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. And in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. And yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So God is the one who who plants the seed, who brings the bread for us to eat, and he increases our resources so that he can unleash a great harvest of generosity in us, and that opens the door for worship. Did you catch that in the last line? That when we take our gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So not only is generosity an open door to meet Jesus, but it's an open door for worship. So out of that verse, though, there in 2 Corinthians 9... I have a question for you. There's going to be two statements on the screen. I want you to look at these two statements. One is right and one is wrong. We give so that God will give us more or God gives so that we can give more. Think about those two statements. Who starts it? We give so that God will give us more or God gives so that we can give more. When you're thinking about that, I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 9, 10 again. And God will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest harvest of generosity in us. We will be enriched in every way so that we can always be generous. So that second statement is the one that's true, right? That God gives so that we can give. There's a, a false gospel that has worked its way through the American church in particular, but also the worldwide church that that says that first statement is the one that Paul was really meaning in 2 Corinthians. That if we will sacrifice, if we'll give, if we'll dig deep and just give and give and give, then God will give us a 10 times return or a 100 times return on our investment. But that's not the way the economy of God's kingdom works. God begins by giving us generously an abundance so that we can give generously out of that abundance. Lifeway Publishing did a study that across America, four out of ten churches promote this prosperity gospel. Isn't that crazy? And so this morning, we want to be clear that when we talk about generosity, it's not so that God will return something to us. Generosity isn't a key that unlocks greater wealth down the road. God has already given us in abundance everything we need, and our generosity can flow from that. So how do we become more generous? And if generosity is admired in our culture, it's part of God's plan, how do we become more generous? And we're not talking about, you know, there's drop boxes and online giving. That's, you know, that's the mechanics of it. But what needs to take place in our lives so that we can become more generous. And we wanna back up and, and look at the foundational mindset that we have about God and his creation. Because our mindset will either lead us toward or away from greater generosity. Our mindset will either lead us toward generosity or it'll push us away from it. And so the question is today, do we have a mindset of abundance or do we have a mindset of scarcity? A mindset of scarcity is that we have limited opportunities. We have limited wealth, we have limited resources, relationships, love, any of those things it's limited and if we want to get a hold of some of those resources, some of those things, we've gotta work for it. A mindset of abundance says that there is plenty. That God is a God of plenty, a God of abundance and there is love, there is relationships, there is uh, opportunities, there is wealth And God has already laid it before us. And so the glass is either half full or it's half empty when we think about scarcity and abundance. For example, in Exodus chapter 16, the Israelites um, have just been freed from the oppression of Egypt, right? Moses came in, um, the 10 plagues, they leave Egypt. They're on the, on the wilderness path back home and they go through the Red Sea, remember that? There's just amazing stories of God's provision, protection and abundance in their lives. And then all of a sudden in chapter 16, the Israelites are hangry. They are grumpy, they're hungry, they're tired, they're hot and they're done. And they're grump and saying, now, at least back in Egypt, we had food. on. There was meat on the table. Let, just send us back. Good grief. They've forgotten all that God has done for them. And in chapter 16, there's a story that God is trying to show his provision. He's trying to show his abundance to his people. In verses 16 through 20, it says that these are the Lord's instructions. This is what God told Moses to tell the people, that there's going to be a bunch of quail come into camp and there's going to be plenty of meat for you. And then in the morning when the dew dries up, there's going to be this white flaky stuff on the ground. And this is what I want you to tell the people. That each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. But when they measured it all out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. And then Moses told them, do not keep any of it until the morning. But some of the Israelites didn't listen and kept some of it until morning, but by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Do you see the mindset of abundance and scarcity in this story? That those who had the mindset of abundance said, look what God has provided. I have enough for my needs today. And God has said he's gonna provide again tomorrow, so I'm good. I'm gonna trust that God will provide. But those with the mindset of scarcity, kind of the glasses half empty, tried to store it back. And against God's instructions, they, they were trying to hoard for tomorrow and hold on to what they might need for the next day. But God taught them a lesson that the maggots and the smell was just too much because the next morning, there was brand new food. And God in his abundance gave freely to his his people. The prosperity gospel has probably grown out of the fact that part of the American dream pushes us toward a mindset of scarcity. Have you ever thought about that? Something that we value as a nation and as a people tends to push us toward a mindset of scarcity. That when we have limited resources. When there is only so much wealth and so much opportunity and so many uh, things available to us, we have to go out, we gotta pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, we gotta work hard. We gotta build it, we gotta work for it, and we've got to get what we're gonna get in life. We don't have it yet, and so if we can obtain this abundance that, that the dream says we need to have, if we can obtain that abundance, then we'll have security we will have provision for tomorrow. We can take care of our kids, maybe even our grandkids. We can leave a legacy to our children, to the generations behind us. And if we can gain this abundance, if we can achieve it, if we can obtain it, then we'll have peace. We'll have comfort knowing that we're taken care of tomorrow. We'll have comfort knowing that the next generations will be fine. And we'll feel fulfilled and we'll feel content because we have made it. We've gotten to, you know, there's that line that we had to get to and now now we're good. But we know, that's a lie, isn't it? That the abundance that we seek to obtain is never enough. No matter how successful, no matter how much we gain, the bar always changes. We hit that line and then it's just a little bit more because it only takes one election. It only takes one slide of the stock market It only takes one bad event in our lives and suddenly our retirement funds, our college funds, everything that we've worked for all our lives is gone. And if we really think about that, even the legacy that we want to leave for later generations, for our children and our children's children, is not really a financial legacy Because money comes and goes, right? Money is forgotten. We don't, once an inheritance is given, years down the road, that, that money is forgotten. But what a true legacy consists of is when we build into the relationships, the character, the integrity, the spiritual heritage passed down from generation to generation. That is the true legacy that we want to live and leave behind. And we know that the abundance that we are seeking for in this life Doesn't really bring peace because leaders change, rates change, everything changes, and we can't trust in it. And so we never feel fulfilled. We never feel content with what we have because what we have is never enough if we're always trying to obtain more. You see, God's idea of abundance is completely different. God's idea of abundance has nothing to do with whether we are rich or poor because God created this earth as an abundant, generous gift to us, his creation. And we came into this world as babies. We really didn't know what was going on. It took us years to develop our understanding of the world as we know it today, correct? But imagine if we could see through the eyes our world in the same way that Adam and Eve were awakened into existence in the Garden of Eden, full of bountiful blessing because God is a creative, stable, faithful, abundant God, and he has given us everything we need. Second Peter 1.3 says that by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for godly living, and we've received it all. We have received all of this by coming to know him. So biblical abundance means that God already has everything we need. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's all God's anyway. Generations from now, anything that we've obtained in this life is no longer ours. It goes right back into the pot, right back into what God has created and already owns. We are just having the opportunity to have it on loan from him while we are here on this earth. And so, a mindset of abundance requires faith in God. It's not about being rich or poor, it's about having faith in the character of God, having faith in the generous creator, the sustainer, the provider of everything we need. We're going to look in Luke chapter 12, and we're going to read uh, verses 22 through 34. Uh, These may sound familiar because it's also in Matthew chapter 6 in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And um, I want you to listen to some of the language in these verses about how God provides for his creation. And as we read these things, keep in mind that we, as God's people, as humans, are the crowning jewel of his creation. That when he made man and woman, he looked and he said, it's very good. And so Jesus said to his disciples, for this reason I tell you, do not be anxious About your life, what you will eat, and do not be anxious about your body, what clothes you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Ponder the ravens, for they don't sow seed or reap a harvest. They have no storerooms or barns, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than the birds! And which of you, by worrying, can add an hour to his life span? And you cannot do even a very little thing. Why do you worry about other matters? Ponder the lilies, how they grow. They don't toil or spend clothing, but I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass in the field, which is here today and tomorrow it's thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you? You who trust God so little... And do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink, and don't foster your own anxiety. For all of these things the nations of the world eagerly seek, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek His kingdom, and these things will be granted to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make yourself money belts that don't wear out and an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do not be anxious. Just like the Israelites in Exodus 16. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. I will provide what you need. Are we not more important than the ravens who are scavengers? The turkey vultures. We see those around here, right? God provides for the turkey vultures. Why would He not provide for you? Consider the lilies, the birds of the or the flowers of the field. How beautiful, splendorous they are in their clothing. Yet God loves us that much more. So we give you permission today to go sit on the front porch, the back deck, go drive out in the countryside and just take a few minutes of quiet. Ponder the ravens. Ponder the flowers. And let God's peace and contentment wash over you because he is an abundant creator God. If we seek his kingdom, all of these things will be granted to us. James 1 Verse 17 says that whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all of the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Isn't that beautiful? God never changes. The God who created the Garden of Eden in all of its abundance and splendor is the same God that provides for us today. So do we have a mindset of abundance? Are we trusting in the character of God as our sustainer, as our generous provider? Or do we have a mindset of scarcity that says, I don't know that there's enough. I just don't think there's enough and so I've got to work for it. Abundance in God's kingdom is not about being rich or poor. Because even in the New Testament, there's a story where Jesus and the disciples are in the temple and they're watching all the people come forward and they're, they're leaving their offerings in the, in the drop box at the temple and some of the rich people, some of the Pharisees are, are dropping the coins from a great height so they make more noise, right? So everybody knows how rich they are and how much they are giving but then the poor widow comes forward and just gives the two coins and Jesus stops and celebrates her generosity Because the rich people were just giving out of that excess. They were they were just, you know, I've got too much, so I'll just give this. But the widow was giving out of everything she had. Because she had a mindset of abundance, trusting that tomorrow, I don't know how, but God is gonna take care of me. And I trust in God's character more than I trust in my ability to obtain scarce resources. So here's the big idea this morning. God has given us abundance so that we would give generously and not store it away. God gives generously so that we will give it away, not store it away, right? Now, what we're not saying this morning is that um, the aspect of stewardship, okay? Stewardship says we still need to take care of our money. We still need to have savings. We still need to have retirement plans. That is good stewardship. Okay? And that is very much a part of our culture, very much a part of what God expects from us. But when we do that, that is part of God's provision for tomorrow as well. And what we're saying here is that if we truly trust in a God of abundance, we need to be ready to give it away before we need to store it away. So the question, if we put this in practical terms today, is this Does God want you to be generous? to meet someone's need today or store up for your need tomorrow. If a need was presented to you today and you had the opportunity to make a decision of I can either put this in savings in my retirement or I can meet this person's need, if we are truly trusting in the abundance of God, trusting in his provision and his sustaining of us, then meeting somebody's need is is a no-brainer. That it's more important to meet that person's need today than it is to store up for our tomorrow Zach and I were kind of joking about this uh, this morning that uh, we are actually part of God's provision aren't we? that as we are generous to others that is actually God's provision working in us for that person and so by storing it up for tomorrow and and ignoring other people's needs we are refusing to be a part of God's plan So does God want you to be generous today to meet someone's need or store up for our tomorrow? That is the question that goes before us today. The generosity is valued. It's encouraged, not just in our culture, but in scripture. God wants us to live generous lives because it's an open door to our community. It's an open door for worship. It's an open door for other people to meet Jesus through our lives, through our generosity. And so will we have a mindset of abundance that god has taken care of us from the beginning of time and we can trust that our tomorrow will be taken care of somehow maybe it's through our you know directly through us and what we receive tomorrow or maybe it's through the generosity of others will we adopt a mindset of abundance as we look at being generous as part of our discipleship god has given us so much so that we can give generously. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would, do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.